We are continuing um, this class, Finishing Well, talking about aging to the glory of God, um, exploring different ideas about what it means to, or what it looks like to follow Jesus well in your, your latter years, um, and what are some of the challenges that go along with that, as well as opportunities that, that present themselves as you move into uh, this stage of life, or you're already in this stage of life. Um, today, we're going to talk about keeping going. So this is the next part in Packer's book that we're kind of following along here. And so we're going to talk a bit about what does it mean to uh, keep going. And before we do, let me pray, and, and then we'll jump in. Our God and Father, we thank you for your promise to to keep us to the very end, and we pray that you would um, help us to think about this topic in that light, that you are the God who uh, never lets go, that you hold us fast, as we'll sing about later in the service. But we pray that you would help us to uh, think clearly about what it means to be an older saint, to be a senior believer, and, and all that goes along with that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so keeping uh, going. And um, to begin, let's think about a, a picture that the New Testament uses for the Christian life, a very vivid picture that, that Paul and others um, use repeatedly in the New Testament, and that is um, picturing the Christian life as running a race. So you, you can probably already think of some of some key passages that talk about that. I have some of them listed here. Um, uh, that the the biblical authors portray are what we do as Christians and how we think about our lives as Christians as a a race and not not so much a sprint. You know, it's not like a hundred meter dash or something like that, but more like a, a marathon. Actually, probably not even a marathon. More like a um, um, you know, like a hundred mile race, one of these long endurance um, races. And I'll just I'll show you some, a couple of these verses, not all of them, but 1 Corinthians 9, 24, Paul says to the Corinthian believer, the believers in Corinth, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. So there's that, that racing imagery, and in this particular uh, case Paul's urging the believers to to really concentrate on on finishing running running well. Um, another one, just part of Hebrews 12, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And then the author goes on to talk about looking to Jesus Christ. But the you know repeatedly the the authors of the New Testament are urging us to to not only run but to endure indicating that, that it's not an easy race, um, that it takes grit, um, it takes determination, and that um, it, it ought to be a, you know, that finish line ought to be um, uppermost in our minds, reaching that finish line, crossing that finish line. Now, with, with that, um, you know, with that image in our minds of the Christian life as a, as a race, you know, what we're talking about here, being a, a senior believer, that we're talking about maybe you could say the last lap of that race, or we could say the last, you know, the last few miles of, of that um, marathon. And the key question is, how do you keep going um, in, in that final stretch of the race? So one of the passages I didn't read from Second Timothy Paul says to Timothy, I have finished the race. And I, and I think we all want to be able to say that, right? As, as Christian men and women, we want to be able to say, I've, I've, I've reached the goal. I've reached the end um, in faith and, and clinging to Jesus Christ. And so, you know, um, with a marathon or, or any race for that matter, um, it really, in, in a sense, doesn't matter if you started off well right maybe maybe you got out of the starting block before anybody else and it was just you know you're way out ahead but if you like give up midway through nobody's going to be like well you really started well or you know it was it was really impressive how far out ahead uh, she got in the first lap too bad you know lap 3 you know 
she decided, I've had enough, and went and sat in the stands. Um, you know, how do, we, how do we keep going? And so um, in order to, to think about this, we need to think about a, a particular temptation that um, senior believers face, or, you know, that, that people in the, in the latter years, Christians in the latter years of their life, uh, face. And I, I'm going to call it um, retirement as a way of life. And so we've talked a bit about retirement in the class. Craig and I are not poo-pooing the idea of retirement. It's inevitable that at some point you're going to have to, you know, stop doing, you know, your career is going to come to an end in some way. So we're not, we're not talking about rejecting that idea, but the particular temptation we're, we're talking about is, is what I said, uh, retirement as a, an, like a worldview, a, a mindset, a, a way of life. And so there was an article in 2019 in U.S. News and World Report uh, titled The Art of Doing Nothing in Retirement. And um, there are actually some very good points in this article, um, namely the 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 article talks about needing to adjust um, to retirement life, that it's, it can be difficult because it's such a change from the way you've spent maybe 30, 40, 50 years of your life where like every day, Pat's saying no way. <laughs> hooray. Oh, hooray. Um, you know, maybe, you know, for 40 years you got up Monday through Friday, got, on, got into your car, drove to drove on the freeway, got stuck in traffic on the freeway, went to work for however many hours, got back in the car, got stuck in traffic on the freeway, came home, and it's just this, this grind. And then, you know, your time is kind of all dictated by your employer if, if you're not self-employed. And then all of a sudden in retirement, it's like nobody's, you know, telling you it's time to clock in. And, and just, you know, maybe... Even aside from the the daily grind, maybe you know the thing that you've invested yourself in for so many years, your career and developing your skills and all that, all of a sudden, like that's done and gone. What do you do with yourself now? So the article made some good points. Like you, retirement's a time of adjustment; it can be difficult. Um, it's okay not to be busy all the time. You see, this this uh, author is writing to an American audience where we think like just taking a break from something is somehow bad and we need to just always be on, always doing. Um, so the, the author says, you know, not the case. And uh, the, he encourages uh, his readers to slow down, look around, enjoy the world. Those are all good things. But um, that aside, there's, there's a distorted perspective um, that comes through in this article, and it's not unique to this author. It's kind of a, an American way of thinking about retirement years. And um, let me just give you a couple quotes from the article. The author says, You can finally begin to live the life you dreamed about. And, and in my head, I mean, as a younger person, I read that and I think, so if you're going to try to start living your dream life when you're like 65, 70, like it's not going to go well. Like <laughs> you, you know, you should have been doing what you thought you should be doing way before that time. Um, um, and also kind of this quote makes it sound like, you know, the whole first 60, 70, 75 years of your life were just like a waste and you didn't do anything important and it's just like, you know, a grind until you get set free from the the cruel taskmaster called your employer. That that's weird. Um, another uh, quote um, uh, says, "You've been working for 30, 40, or even 50 years. You've made your contribution to society and to your family. Now, whether you're ready or not, it's time to let someone else step up and shoulder the burdens of the world." Now. There's a, there's a sense in which um, there's, there's truth to that. Like, there's other younger people who need to develop their skills and talents and be given opportunities to, to exercise, um, to fill roles that maybe you've filled, and you need to kind of recognize that and, and give them opportunities. That's fine. But, but it, in, the, in the context of the article, it's kind of saying, like, look, 
you've worked hard and you've made your contributions, now sit back and take it easy. Um, and retiring from your career does not mean that you retire from everything. And that's what I, what I mean by retirement as a, as a way of life. This idea that, like, I've done my part now, and I'm just going to um, focus on self-indulgence. Now, I'm not saying uh, retirement doesn't give you certain opportunities. Certainly it does, right? Um, certainly life is going to look different after retirement. Like you, you can probably do some traveling that you've, you've not been able to do um, because of work and other responsibilities. You, you've got time, flexible time now. That's all great. You can take up some hobbies that maybe you never had time for. You can spend time with, with family and friends. Those are all wonderful things. But the fact that like your, your day in, day out career has come to an end doesn't mean you just stop um, doing all meaningful um, things, that you stop um, contributing to the world, to the church, to, and, and so forth. Um, Packer brings out in the book that uh, many Christians and many churches assume that the retirement years are a, a time for just kind of doing nothing. Like, either it's time to, to focus on self-indulgence or... You're just kind of old and useless, and you don't have anything to offer to um, to Christ or to the church, and so forth. Um, you know, the retirement years are, are it's a time to let others labor in Christ's kingdom, and um, you know who wants who wants old people around, and they don't they don't have anything to to offer us or anything valuable. Let me, let me give you some quotes from Packer. There's Packer. Um, not quite in his last lap. He, he died, I think he was in his 90s when he died several years ago. So I, I didn't put up a picture of him kind of, uh, he, he looked even older and more frail um, in, his, in his last couple years. But um, he, he says in, in the book, the most that the church will expect of them, of senior believers, now is that they will continue to support from the sidelines. So, you know, for the most part in, in churches, the idea is, well, um, older believers are, are needy and um, need ministry to them, but they don't do ministry. And there, there's some truth to the fact that, you know, as, as we age and our bodies slow down, and we have certain limitations and needs, like there is particular ministry that the church should be doing to older believers, but doesn't mean they, they have nothing to offer. Um, he goes on and says, by embracing the, this retirement as a way of life mindset, he says people are reduced um, from laborers in Christ's kingdom to sympathetic spectators. So again, just kind of sitting on the sidelines or in the stands, watching. And then he, he says, churches no longer look to these folks as they do to the rest of the congregation to find, feed, and use their spiritual gifts. In this way, they behave as though spiritual gifts and ministry skills um, wither with age, but they don't. What happens, rather, is that they atrophy with disuse. And so Packer's trying to push back against this idea that that the retirement years are, on the one hand, a time for self-indulgence, and on the other hand, that the, that the retirement years are just kind of a useless um, stage of life. Like, you, you know, you've used up all the, all the energy you have, um, whatever gifts, talents, um, skills, and abilities the Lord has given you kind of, you know, the day you sign those retirement papers, they, they just kind of disappear and you have nothing to offer anymore. So he's trying to push back against um, both of those ways of thinking. So if that's a particular temptation um, that we want to avoid, how should we think about the retirement years? Now, this is a, a huge topic. 
Um, I am not giving you a biblical theology of retirement here. I'm just giving you a few ideas to think about um, how we should view um, the latter years. So if you're not in your latter years yet, this is is good to begin um, shaping your thinking uh, about what that last stage the, the last laps will look like. If you're already in your, your latter years, maybe this will help um, strengthen what you're already doing. And um, uh, So it's important for all of us to be thinking about what, what am I going to be doing with myself? How should I be thinking about the, the purpose of my life when I'm you know, in my 60s, 70s, 80s, maybe my 90s? Um, so let's, let's talk about a few things here. Um, how what what perspective the Bible might bring to this? Now, in one sense, I say, how should we think about the retirement years? In one sense, well, we don't think about them any differently than we think about the younger years, right? Um, Westminster uh, Shorter Catechism, question and answer number one: What is man's chief end? What is what is humanity's purpose? Why did God create us? Uh, why do we exist as Christian men? And women, and and the answer is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That's kind of this, you know, overarching biblical perspective on life: glorify God and enjoy Him forever. So, whether you're, you know, new in your career and just getting your your feet wet and trying to establish yourself in your career, or you're, you know, you've been out of the workforce for for 20 years. Um, Glorify God and enjoy Him. If whether you're just starting to raise kids and you know they're in diapers and it's chaotic, or your grandkids now are having their own are are raising kids, glorify God and enjoy Him. So in a sense, um, you know the retirement years are no different in than the younger years in that sense. The the goal, the the purpose, kind of the the way we think about them are, are no different. And, and this is what Paul says, right, about life in 1 Corinthians 10.31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So that's you know part of where the Westminster Shorter Catechism gets their answer. Um, Paul's talking about a particular context here in Corinth, debates about food and drink and all that, but he lays out this this overarching principle for Christian uh, for a Christian way of life, whatever you do, whether you're you're in the throes of um, your career, whether you're in the middle of your career, whether you're you know a stay-at-home um, parent, whether you are um, a retiree with lots of time on your hands, a, a grandparent, a single person, whatever, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. If you're a, if you're a teenager in high school and, and just trying to navigate life and get your schoolwork done, do it to the glory of God. Um, Paul, in Philippians 3, one of the passages where he talks about the Christian life as a race, he says, but one thing I do... Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So, um, again, kind of a overarching philosophy of the Christian life. One thing I do, I'm, you know, forget about. In a sense, he's saying I'm forgetting about the the ground I've already covered, and and I've got my eyes fixed forward on the on the finish line and I'm I'm straining toward it. I'm exerting my energy toward it. So in a sense, um, you know, however those decades those years or decades that, that we call the retirement years, um, as Christians, we shouldn't really think of them fundamentally as as different than um, you know, your 20s, your 30s, and, and so on. Um, we're always, as Christians, seeking to do all to the glory of God, pursue Christ, and so forth. But, but with that said, um, the, the retirement years, we, we can think of them as a time of change. 
um, that's just kind of inevitable, right? Um, change is baked into um, that that stretch of life. I mean, for on the one hand, if if you've been um, if you've spent 30, 40, 50 years in a career, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, there's a, a big change. Like you're not going into the office anymore. I don't know how many people go into the office anymore, anyway, because of uh, <laughs> remote work. But um, there's that change. Um, there's uh, creaturely limitations that necessitate um, change, and and you know um, those limitations. We've had them all along even in our younger years, they just become kind of unavoidable um, as you age. They become more prominent, maybe, in some cases. You know, uh, we mentioned a few weeks ago, decreased energy levels. Um, you can't just go, 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 maybe, like you used to. Some people can't do that even in their younger years. But um, memory is, is maybe not as strong as it once was. Um, uh, your mobility might be limited. For example, um, maybe you can't drive anymore. And that's going to place certain constraints on just how you spend your time and, and what you do with yourself. So it, it is a time of change. And um, who here loves having their lives just kind of upended and, and everything changed? I, I did see a hand in the back. I won't tell you how old the person was, but uh, <laughs> um, most of us don't. So that that change is difficult, and that's a that's a significant. I haven't gotten there yet. I would assume it's a significant challenge, just that that adjustment. But um, all of life is change, right? I mean, we are, we are changing every day, um, and and retirement's a, a big change, but. It gives, um, we said earlier, does give opportunity for others to step in and, and fill roles that maybe we did. Um, but how you serve the Lord, um, how you, the ways that you're engaged in, in serving the church and Christ's people um, and, and different ministry opportunities will look different in, in your older years than in your younger years. Um, you know, just a, a kind of a simple example, you know, your eyesight is deteriorating and it's difficult to drive at night. And so you probably, let's say in this case, you're not able to attend evening community groups at somebody's home because it's just too difficult to to get there and, and get home safely. And so that, that changes um, how you engage with the church. And that's that's part of the reason we have a community group that meets uh, during the week in the afternoon here at the church because the the folks who attend that um, don't want to drive at night or it's difficult to drive at night and this is and meeting at whatever time it is 12:30 p.m. is um, just way easier but but that you know limits in some ways um, who you get to interact with in a, in a community group um, but change, so, so we need, there's a lot that could be said about change, and retirement years are a time of change, but change, let, let's talk about what that doesn't mean. Change um, does not mean transitioning from being an active um, laborer in Christ's kingdom to being inactive. Or to put it another way, it doesn't mean that you transition from being a player on the team to a spectator in the in the stands. Um, you, you might be like the the player who's always the last one up the court now, but um, but it doesn't mean you just kind of say, "Okay, I'm I'm done." Um, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, poet, author. Um, he has this long poem on on old age that he wrote for um, I think on the 50th anniversary of his um, graduating class from I, I can't remember where he graduated from but um, in I think it was in 1825 it was for the class of 1825 on the 50th anniversary of their their graduation and um, 
in the poem, he has this line, these lines, something remains for us to do or dare, even the oldest tree um, some fruit may bear. And um, he's, whether intentionally or not, um, reflecting a biblical truth here. Psalm 92.14, talking about older believers, says they still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green. Um, the psalm there talking about those who take refuge in the Lord, who, who um, look to the Lord as their help and strength, says even in their, their older years, they, they, they're still bearing fruit. Matthew Henry um, commenting on, on this section of the Psalms, says the, the last days of the saints are sometimes their best days. Um, and so we don't need to, you know, a common way of thinking about one's latter years is kind of like, you know, you're just kind of waiting <laughs> for the end. Um, and, and every, you know, all the, the exciting stuff has already taken place. All the, the maturing and, and spiritual growth, that's that's done. There's no more to, to do. And yet um, the Bible and, and just even uh, human experience would say, not, not so. <laughs> um, uh, David Allen Black, who's a, um, he's a professor at Southeastern uh, Theological Seminary, North Carolina, teaches New Testament and Greek. Um, several years ago, he's in his early 70s now, several years ago um, his wife died in... Um, she was probably mid-60s. And um, it, it's prompted him to do some reflecting on, you know, being an older believer and change and, and all that that entails. And uh, it, it is interesting reading some of the things he's written about just his own experience of kind of being, um, you know, forced to face his own mortality by the fact that his wife died much earlier than, than either of them anticipated. And, and he says, um, after kind of a, a multi-year just kind of struggle through this mess, now he's in his, his 70s, um, he says he's, he's convinced that some of the most profound um, spiritual growth and maturing that can take place in a believer's life um, happens in those latter years. That um, even him, a, a Christian man, a, a seminary professor, um, who's who's devoted his life to to serving the Lord and 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 the church. He himself has has even started to realize, like, whoa, there's there's so much more um, in, in this last stage of life. It, it's not just the you know sit in the the easy chair and and wait for the heart to stop. Um, so there's it's a time of change, but but not from you know, robust um, devotion to um, just kind of existing. So um, it's also a time of opportunity. So retirement year is time of change, but it's also an, an opportunity to focus. And, and here's what I mean. Um, you know, your, la- your, your latter years, the body's starting to slow down um, and all of that. You can't do everything, right? I mean, you couldn't ever do everything. We just thought we could when we're younger. Um, and you get a little older and maybe you wise up and you realize, I can't do everything. Um, and people don't expect you to do everything, right? Um, and so it's an, it's an opportunity to, to just kind of focus in on what unique um, role can I play in, in the life of the church, what, what unique um, skills, abilities, contributions can I make in the time that I have left and with the energy levels that I have and within the, the limitations that maybe my health and, and other factors um, introduce. It, it's, you, it, it's a time where you can do that and maybe you couldn't have done that necessarily when you were younger just because you know people do expect you to be doing lots of things and if you're raising a family you've got these little kids that are um, you know demanding to, to eat and be clothed and um, and all of that and you're like I got to do that and um, uh, but now with you know uh, flexible time in a sense and 
you're, you're kind of like your own boss, you can kind of shape what you want um, your, your ministry to look like. You know, not, you know, not um, every believer has, is engaged in ministry, not just those of us who are, do it full-time as a, as a paid uh, thing. And so you have these, an opportunity now. And it could look like any number of things, right? Um, you think of the, the older uh, person who's, who's pretty limited in their mobility and can't drive, can't, um, can't move around <laughs> as easily. And maybe they're just focusing, you know what, I used to be doing all, you know, all kinds of things at, at church and, and for people. Now I'm, I've made it a point to, um, I pray for the, the younger people in the church. Like, not just once in a while, but like, I, I have this like ministry now of, of prayer for the, the younger folks at church where I, I get to spend, um, time that I didn't have in my younger years and that others don't have. Um, it might look like a time of mentoring um, younger believers. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, who am I to be mentoring somebody else? But um, older believers typically have a, a lifetime of experience and, and wisdom behind them that, that younger people desperately need to learn from. And um, so the mentoring might not look like you show up on Sunday, you see somebody that's about half your age, and you say, hey, you, I, I'm a senior saint, you're a, you're a junior saint, and you're going to learn from me, so let's start getting together. Um, it might look like, hey, I, I need help um, around my house, um, and you've mentioned that you, you, know, you could do some landscaping for me. Would you, um, would you be able to start doing that? And you use those times to, to spend time together and just informally um, mentor, You're sharing wisdom, um, talking to this person about their life and uh, weighing in when you, when you have something valuable to offer, just listening when, when you don't. But um, it, you know, mentoring doesn't have to be this like, highly formal arrangement. Um, it, it can be something as simple as, as just spending time together. I, I, um, at a funeral once, I, I heard um, for a, a woman who, who died, I think, well into her 90s and had been a, a faithful church member at the church um, she belonged to for, for decades and um, in her younger years had been you know, actively involved in in both adult and, and children's uh, Sunday school teaching and leading and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and then uh, as she aged, um, things like I've mentioned began to happen, the eyesight deteriorating, limited mobility. And she spent a lot of time in her latter years writing notes to members of the congregation, writing encouraging notes, praying for them and then writing encouraging notes to to the men and women of the congregation and at, at the funeral like tons of people who like many people who shared talked about receiving a note from her and how um, just it meant so much I mean we don't write notes anymore right like we maybe don't even do emails anymore it's maybe we don't even do texts anymore um, and so to get like a handwritten note um, in the mail was it was a big deal just the thoughtfulness that went into that um, the time that that goes into that I, a few years ago um, uh, a friend of mine uh, he and I started um, we only did this for a short time but we started writing handwritten notes uh, handwritten letters to each other he, he lives in a, another part of the country we rarely ever get to see each other and we both are real into like fountain pens and all that kind of stuff and so we decided for, uh, it, it went on for a couple exchanges, we would write handwritten notes and we'd buy like expensive paper, fancy paper, and, um, and we'd make, you know, we'd address it, address it, he's also a pastor, and we'd, you know, to the very reverend so-and-so and just kind of played it up. Um, but I, I learned, man, it takes so long 
to write like a one-page letter and my hand is like ah because I don't I don't do that very much anymore you know I I do a lot by hand probably more than than many people but it's quick notes you know and so anyway um a ministry of of writing letters writing notes um it could be all kinds of things it doesn't even have to be I, I, those are examples more along the lines of somebody who's who's more of a shut-in and and um, not able to to maybe be out and about as much, but you know many, uh, especially you know Americans, people in the West are living much longer, much more actively for much longer. There, there's all kinds of things um, senior saints can can do um, in the life of the church. Many things that they have uh, to offer, um, and so. In, in trying to think a little more biblically about these latter years, um, we have to kind of make that, that shift from the, the typical, maybe American way um, of thinking that says, hey, um, now that you don't have that, that taskmaster called work um, ruling over you, just you know, live the life you've always dreamed. <laughs> you know that, what that article said. Now, I need to caveat that just again because you do have time. I'm fully intending to do some traveling when I retire that I that I'm unable to do right now. If if finances and health and all that um, work out, I'm going to go see some places that I've always wanted to see. So that's fine and good, and I would commend that to you. I know some of you have gotten to do some traveling in your your retirement years. You've told me about it. It sounds exciting and great. Praise the Lord. He, he's made a beautiful world full of wonders, and uh, and we can enjoy it. But, um, you know, as as Christians, we don't want to just see those latter years as well. We have nothing left to offer, so let's just eat or drink because tomorrow we die. Um, it, it's a time of change and a time of opportunity. So, let's um, in in the remaining time, um, let's talk about cultivating zeal. This is something Packer talks about in, in the end of this chapter. Uh, interesting choice of words, I think, the, the word zeal. It's not a word um, we use very often. Um, and, you know, returning to the race metaphor um, that one of the central images the New Testament uses for the Christian life, um, Packer says, I urge now that it ought to be the central focus in the minds and hearts of all aging Christians who know and feel that their bodies are slowing down. Um, uh, oh, I left out part of the quote, but he's, <laughs> he says, I urge the central focus should be on cultivating and exercising zeal for the Lord and for finishing well. Um, he says, the, challenges that face, the challenge that faces us is not to let that fact, the fact that our bodies are slowing down, uh, slow us down spiritually, but to cultivate the maximum zeal for the closing phase of our earthly lives. And then he says, why zeal? Because it is zeal that will keep us running. Um, in the next chapter, which we'll, we'll address next time, he talks about hope as another motivating factor, factor energizer. But he defines zeal as um, priority, passion, and effort in pursuing God's cause. And so he says, you know, the latter years are a time in which if it hasn't, if it wasn't going on in your younger years, your body is, is slowing down, the aches and pains become just a normal part of life. Um, it's harder, physically harder to do certain things, mentally um, more difficult to do certain things. And he says um, the challenge is to not let the, the fact that the body is slowing down, let our our love for the Lord, our devotion to the Lord, and our zeal for the Lord to, to just kind of follow suit. Um, he says, maintaining zeal Godward as our bodies wear out is the special discipline to which we aging Christians are called. Now, how do you do that? How do you cultivate and maintain um, zeal? I, I want to share um, some things that... Uh, John, that come from John Piper, who's now a senior saint, and he shared this several years ago. He was a senior saint then as well, um, at a funeral 
for a, an older member of his church. And um, I, he, ha- he had like seven things he shared. I'm just going to do three. Uh, three of his points, but all from Psalm 71. And I, and I think in the first week we talked a little bit about Psalm 71, which is a, a psalm written by an older believer um, saying, um, I'm, I'm still going to tell, I'm going to tell the, the coming generation about how wonderful the Lord is. I, I'm going to, to my very end, I'm going I'm to tell people of his faithfulness, of his unending love. And um, so he talks about life as an, as an older believer. And um, Piper draws out a few pieces of counsel. Um, so let's see, how do you cultivate zeal? Number one, take refuge in God rather than taking offense at your troubles. Um, this comes from the first verse of the psalm. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Um, that, that imagery of refuge is very prominent in the psalms. The Lord is a, a safe place for those who trust him. He is a, a fortress. Uh, another other language that's used, he's, he's a rock. You know, this solid, stable thing you can cling to in the midst of the storm. And, um, you know, troubles seem to multiply as you age, right? Um, I mean, life is always full of troubles, but, but now, you know, you, every time you go to the doctor, it's just, well, now you need to start taking this medication, you need these tests, and, and so forth. Um, uh, loved ones die. Um, I've had somebody here at the church um, say, you know, I was asked who my five closest friends are, and and this, they said this lighthearted, but they're like, I don't have five friends; they're all dead. You know, you you start out living your your friends. Um, you know, again, I, I've mentioned just the normal activities of daily life that were once you didn't give a. A second thought to now they're they're challenging they take a lot of time and so the troubles seem to multiply and it would be easy um, to just become focused on the troubles right the losses the the limitations um, the the inability to do the thing maybe some things that you you really loved doing um, in your younger years and and we can become um, complainers, right? A, a particular challenge um, for, for older saints. And I, I loved something Piper said in the sermon. He said, I don't want to get old complaining. And, and part of the way you can, you can avoid that is, he says, by taking refuge in the Lord rather than um, taking offense at all that, that's going wrong, all the, all the loss, um, all the frustrations, whether they're legitimate frustrations or, or blown out of proportion. He says, when we forget that we're safe in God, um, our troubles become our focus. And so he says, part of the way we, we can age without aging as complaint, without doing it as complainers, is remembering that we have a refuge from every storm. At, at every point, every new disappointment that we encounter as we age, every new um, trouble that comes our way, we have a refuge. And so uh, taking refuge in the Lord, number one. Number two, he says, uh, remember the thousands of times you've leaned on God since your youth. Um, This comes from verses five and six of the psalm. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have leaned from before my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. And then a little later in the psalm, verse 17, O God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So the the psalmist here is um, remembering that he and God have a long history together. Um, it, it's interesting how he puts it, right? That um, even from before my, my, my birth, I leaned on you. Now, consciously trusting in the Lord, no. It, but what he's saying is, 
my whole life has been dependent on you from even before the time I knew that. Um, and that, you know, one advantage of being a, a senior saint, um, if you've followed the Lord for, for some length of time, you have a lot of history to look back at and say the Lord has been faithful again and again and again. And so, you know, I'm at this stage of life where, like, things are are difficult and there's a lot of uncertainty ahead of me, but, but I can look back at a few decades of, well, the Lord showed up there, he showed up here, he did this for me, and you can say, I, I've always... My whole life has been leaning on the Lord, sometimes consciously, other times not even knowing he's upholding me, and I can trust that going forward, uh, he's going to be there for me, that he's going to be my strength, my refuge, my rock, even in old age. Um, So remembering remembering the Lord's faithfulness, remembering um, the ways we've trusted him and, and how he's came through for us. And then three, um, Piper says, he, he, he encourages us, urges us to be people of undefeatable hope. People of undefeatable hope. And he says, even in the nursing home, and even if we outlive all our friends, Uh, Psalm 71, verse 14. But I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. And and Piper says this will be the great battle, this battle to be people of undefeatable hope. It will be a great battle. We will get to the point where we feel useless and too weak to do any good, and the temptation to despair will be huge. And um, he highlights here from this verse the, the key word continually. I will hope continually. Um, hope is something that we can practice. It, it's sort of like um, developing a, a skill or a habit. It takes time. It takes um, repetition. It takes uh, deliberate forethought and and effort. Um, I think often as Christians we think hope is just it's just kind of this thing that wells up in us um, inexplicably and great when it happens. Um, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. But but hope is is something that can be cultivated, something that can be um, practiced. And I think that's part of what the psalmist is is expressing here. I. I, this is a this is an aspiration here. I will hope continually. I, I'm going to discipline myself to to consciously express hope and trust in the Lord. Um, and and maybe this is going to look like you set a reminder on your phone. You set an alarm on your phone for three times each day um, for 30 seconds. You, you, in prayer, in praise, express hope in the Lord. Just to start cultivating the habit of just naturally um, moving toward hope. Because uh, most of us don't, right? Most of us don't naturally uh, gravitate towards hope. Some of us naturally gravitate towards the, the opposite. Some of us are just, I don't know, I'm just going through life. Um, but cultivating Hope, you know, reminding yourself of reasons um, for hope, um, and and uh, you know, we have all kinds of reasons. One that I can think of um, from Second Corinthians four that's particularly uh, relevant to those who are aging. Um, Paul says, Second Corinthians four sixteen. So we do not lose heart, though our el- outer self is wasting away. Um, you know, that's certainly a, a picture, right, of the aging process. Um, though our elder, outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. 
Um, and what Paul's saying there is our, our bodies, our mortal bodies are falling apart. They're dying. They're, they're slowing down. And yet the Lord is renewing us in Christ inwardly, um, making us more like Christ, shaping us into Christ-like people, hope-filled people. And then Paul says, For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Um, Paul doesn't have old age necessarily in mind there, but it's, it's certainly applicable. Um, as the body fades and decays, God, by his spirit, by his grace, by his word, renews us inwardly, and, and one day he will um, raise and renew and glorify our bodies as well. But there's, there's, that's one element of our hope, this, this future, um, future glory and present renewal. Um, there's you know, about three million other things we could, we could mention as reasons for hope, but next time we'll talk a little bit more about hope. Um, and hope as a, a motivating um, factor in, in finishing well. So, keeping going. Um, I, I hope this has been a little helpful to you. I hope the Lord uses um, this just brief time as we think about what does it mean to, to be somebody in the retirement years, to, to maybe... For those of us who aren't there yet, to, to get us start getting us ready, thinking rightly, to those of us who are there, to maybe renew some, some excitement, some anticipation of these, these latter years and, and what the Lord could do in and through you. Um, so finishing well. well. We'll continue next time talking about hope. Let's pray. Our God and Father, uh, we, we do want to finish well. We, we want to be able to say with Paul that, that we have finished the race. Um, would you keep us? Would you energize us? Would you, Lord, continue to renew our minds so that we uh, think about all of life, but in particular these, these latter years, um, well, that we think about them biblically. We pray that you would um, use us. In, um, in this uh, last season of life, we pray that you would cause us to continue to bear fruit and bring you glory and experience the, the love and the grace of Jesus Christ, um, we ask in his name. Amen.